Welcome to this week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to contribute to the running costs or have any comments regarding the recordings, please pop a note in your wallet or give us a ring at Colin Chance House. I would like to thank Barbara Moss for a donation that we have received recently in memory of Valerie Schelling. And also a special welcome to two new listeners, Raymond Harbron and Barbara Hunter. Welcome to you two and I hope you enjoy our contribution. I am Sally Rowe and Penny Welford is reading with me and John Plush is our sound engineer. We will be covering the news from Friday, January the 28th, up until and including Thursday, February the 3rd. Unfortunately, I have no newspaper for Wednesday the 2nd of February because I wasn't able to uh, buy the paper, so there is one day missing. We'll start with the headline stories, then there'll be some general items of interest, followed by some sport, sporting highlights, and the obituaries will be at the end of the recording. Uh, this week's thought for the day is... From Genesis, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And today's sunrise was at 7.47am and the sunset was 4.59. So the days are getting definitely longer. Um, I will now pass you over to Penny who will read out some useful phone numbers. Here in Wilds Lane, the number is 01905 The police non-emergency number is 101. Crime Stoppers is 0800 555 111. The Worcester Hub is 01905 765 765. And Worcester Live is 01905 611427. And for Malvern Theatres, it's 01684-892277. The out-of-hours medical services is 111. And for the Samaritans, it is 116123. And that is a free phone number. Thank you. Now for some what's on in the local area. At uh, the Swan Theatre on Tuesday the 8th and Wednesday the 9th, there is a children's show, um, 10.30 in the morning and 4.30 in the afternoon, if anybody has any grandchildren, called The Smeds and the Smooze. 
Um, also at the Swan Theatre in Worcester on Thursday, the 10th of February at 7.30, there is an Adele songbook, a live concert performance celebrating the music of Adele. And also at the Swan on Friday, the 11th of February at 7.30 is La Foix, a lady who does side-splitting comedy and huge vocals. Then in Malvern, we have the Malvern Concert Club on Sunday the 13th of February at three o'clock. And they have um, a piano uh, concert with Haydn, Schumann, Rachmaninoff, Liszt, um, a great uh, programme there. And then on Wednesday the 16th of February at Malvern Theatre, they have Aggers and Tuffers to... um, Cricketers talking about their uh, their life, and um, also some dance phoenix dance on Tuesday the fifteenth at Malvern Theatre at seven forty five. And a British Italian violinist is coming to Huntingdon Hall in February. Robert Russi will be performing on Sunday the twenty seventh. Um, he enjoys balancing his time between solo playing and a concertmaster and has led the National Youth Orchestra for three consecutive years. Tickets can be booked through at the Huntingdon Hall. Uh, there's meetings of a support group for people living with dementia and their carers, family and friends, which have resumed at a Worcester Community Centre. The Tea and Support Group meets weekly during the school term times at Lippard Hub Community Room in Anchorage Green, Warnden Villages. There are a range of activities each week from those who want to participate and refreshments including hot drinks and cake are available during the sessions. There are also regular visits from charities and other organisations including Age UK and the Alzheimer's Society. Sessions are held every Tuesday from 11.30am to 1pm. And history will be brought to life at Tudor House in Friar Street on Saturday the 12th of February and Sunday the 13th of February. Living History reenactors will be at the free event which takes place at the Timber Frame Museum during opening hours, 10 till 4 on Saturday and 11 till 3 on Sunday. We'll be free to visit both days as usual, so please do come down and fully immerse yourself in some very exciting history. And finally, a Worcester church has organised its latest coffee concert for charity. St Martin's Church in London Road is holding a concert in aid of UNICEF on Saturday, February the 26th. Baroque group Rococo will be performing quartets by Telemann and Guilliman and trio sonatas by Handel and Bach. Rococo are Jane Charles on flute, Trudy Jordan on violin, and Angie Cranmore on viola, de gamba, and David Brookshaw on harpsichord. And the concert will be taking place between 10.15 and 11.15. So that uh, is all of the things on in the area. And now we will go to our headline stories. The headline for Friday, January the 28th, reads, Our lives are less sparkly a family's tribute to daughter whose cancer journey reached millions. Isabel was the glitter in our life. 
The parents of a teenage girl who died at 17 have paid a touching tribute to their daughter. Gina and Andrew Gadd described Isabel as a wonderful daughter and a fun-loving sister and said life without her was quieter and less sparkly. The family said they had received an outpouring of support with messages sent from around the world after Isabel's social media posts about her cancer journey reached millions. Isabel, a former pupil of Witten Middle School, Droitwich, was diagnosed with cancer, first discovered in her sinus area when she was just 16. After battling with the rhabdomyosarcoma, a soft tissue cancer, for months on end, she had a brief period of remission last summer. But the cancer returned in her brain and spine and Isabel died on January the 8th. In a moving tribute to their daughter, Mr and Mrs Gadd said, She was incredibly brave and she kept her humour throughout. She remained kind and was more concerned about how the cancer would impact on her family and friends. We've had a letter from the consultant who said she can remember her smile and her desire to look after people. She was a wonderful daughter and a loving, fun sister, and our lives are quieter and less sparkly without her in it. She was the glitter. She was much loved and will be missed immensely. She continued, Izzy loved to dance and cook and spend time with her friends and family. When she found out she had cancer, she decided to tackle it with her usual zest for life and humour. She bravely posted her journey on TikTok and Instagram. And despite her pain and feeling self-conscious, her posts showed the true picture of what she went through. Isabel's posts reached millions online and Mrs Gadd said the family have received hundreds of messages from as far as Australia offering condolences. She said the most touching messages are from other teenagers who have said Isabel's determination and humour have inspired them. One such message read, Izzy helped me so much through all her videos and she taught me always to be positive. I'm currently nine months in remission and I couldn't have made it without her. Isabel also received thousands of comments paying tribute to her life on TikTok. One said, I'm so sorry. I can say with confidence that she changed so many people's lives, including my own. Life's so unfair. Another said, It's so hard knowing she went through such a horrible time and yet showed so much positivity on TikTok. Isabel also attended Aston Fields Middle School and South Bromsgrove High School. Her family have thanked those who helped Isabel throughout her treatment. Mr and Mrs Gadd added, We would like to say thank you to all the staff at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, especially on the Young Persons Unit, and Isabel's specialist nurse, Jenny. We also want to thank the Teenage Cancer Trust and the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust. The family have invited anyone who knew Isabel to her funeral service at St John's Church Bromsgrove on Wednesday at 11 o'clock. The service will then be followed by a private cremation for family and close friends only. Rather than flowers, Isabel's family have asked for donations to the Teenage Cancer Trust via justgiving.com 
forward slash fundraising forward slash Izzy Gad. Saturday and Sunday, the 29th and 30th of January. Crushed by car and wall. A man from Worcester died after becoming trapped between his car and a garden wall an inquest found. Oliver Irwin died after the car he was working on lurched down the driveway, leaving him trapped between it and the wall. Ollie, described as a positive person who always managed to smile, even in the toughest moments, died on April the 27th. An inquest into his death heard how Mr Irwin, aged 24, was believed to be attempting to fix a faulty indicator light on his back black Vauxhall Astra on the driveway of his Lansdowne Road home. Police believe the car may have lurched forward while Mr Irwin was stood alongside it, leading to him suffering crush injuries. Coroner David Reed read out a statement from Mr Irwin's father, Glenn, in which he said his son had not been able to work due to the pandemic. Despite this, he remained positive throughout, working a number of different jobs. Mr Reed said, Oliver was an optimistic young man of many talents who had done pretty well for himself in difficult times. PC Howard Latham, a police expert, put forward what he said was the most likely theory of events. PC Latham said he believed Mr Irwin had put his key in the ignition with his car in gear to make the electrics come on. He may have turned the key, causing the car to lurch forward and begin rolling down the drive. Mr Irwin, who the inquest heard was also a musician, became trapped between the car and the wall. Mr Irwin's cause of death was recorded as compression injuries and internal injuries. Members of the public joined in to try and save Mr Irwin after he was spotted by two men on their way back from work, Alan Brown and Mark Wright. The two men got out to investigate and with the help of passers-by and an off-duty nurse tried to save his life. Paramedics and police were called, with an ambulance arriving after six minutes. Mr Irwin was pronounced dead at the scene. Mr Reed recorded the death as an accident, offering his condolences to some of Mr Irwin's friends who were in attendance. He also commended the efforts of Mr Brown and Mr Wright, as well as other members of the public, who joined in to try and save Mr Irwin's life. And the headline story for Monday, January the 31st. School places concern. Fears. City Homes plan could hit school places. The story continues featuring a photograph of a large open field with the caption, The land off Beverley Lane where 75 affordable homes are planned to be built. Fears over 75 homes. There have been fears affordable homes could be built on the outskirts of the city where there are poor transport links and few school places. Parents already struggle with school places in North Worcester, but there are worries 75 new affordable homes could add to the problem. Living Space Housing has secured a 7.6-acre site in Beverley near Clanes, which was formerly part of Gwillam's Farm, and next to two new housing estates. City Councillor Mel Alcott, Clanes Lib Den, said worried residents had already been in touch about the potential plans. I've had people get in touch even before it was published in the Worcester News. 
People are concerned about the development and think there will be a big issue with school places and the lack of public transport. She pointed out that more affordable homes were currently being built on Old Northwick Farm, where concerns were also raised over schooling and transport. The land off Beverley Lane has a draft allocation for 74 homes within the South Worcester, Worcester Development Plan Review. It is also adjacent to Bellway's recently completed Cherry, t- Cherry Tree Place and Cherry Orchard Developments. When the Bellway homes were being built, we had a lot of objections from people in Beverley, and now we have the people in Beverley and Bellway upset about the new plans. We definitely need more affordable housing, but people feel this is not the best place for it. We have schools which are full, and it is right on the fringe of the city with no great public transport links. People absolutely just feel it is completely in the wrong place and there isn't the infrastructure to support it. The plans will retain the open parkland setting of the neighbouring historic properties which lie within the Beverley Conservation Area. Living Space Housing will shortly be undertaking pre-application consultation with Witchhaven District Council and key stakeholders prior to preparing a planning application in 2022. Paul Breen, Managing Director of Living Space Housing, said, The County of Worcestershire is an exceptionally popular place to live, particularly homes within easy reach of the Cathedral City of Worcester. Beverley is only three miles away from the centre of the city and the range of local amenities, schooling and bus services nearby ensures this charming hamlet is a sustainable location for new housing. We are looking forward to working collaboratively to bring forward the development plans for this site next year. What have I done? Tuesday, February the 1st. A woman killed her mum by plunging a kitchen carving knife into her back before emerging from the house, covered in blood, and saying to police, What have I done? Jessica Crane denies the murder of her defenceless mother, 69-year-old Janet Mason, after she stabbed the carving knife into her back, cutting through a rib, a lung, and through her heart. The 50-year-old's trial got underway at Worcester Crown Court yesterday, following the fatal stabbing which took place at the defendant's 90-year-old grandmother's address, the victim's mother's address, in Green Lane, Worcester, on March the 9th last year. The confused and shaken elderly woman was in the house with her daughter when she died, and as police and paramedics battled in vain to revive her. Crane of Hillside Close, Worcester, could be seen crying and dabbing her eyes with a tissue as details of the alleged murder were read out. Richard Atkins, QC, prosecuting, opened the case to the jury, saying how it was Crane who called 999 at 10.41am, telling call handlers she had just attacked her mother. She said on the call she was not well. She said she had stabbed her mother and she thought her mother was dead, said Mr Atkins. Mr Atkins showed the jury the knife, still stained with blood, which was in a clear plastic cylinder, the black-handled knife. He said she had plunged that knife into her mother's back, through her ribcage, through her heart, to a depth of 20.5 centimetres. That's eight inches in old money. The wound was fatal. 
The prosecution case is that Crane intended to cause her mother, at the very least, serious injury and, in all likelihood, intended in that moment to kill her. What else could you intend if you plunge a large knife in someone's back to that depth, he said. The jury would have to decide whether she was suffering from any mental health problems which reduce her culpability such as they could find she was not guilty of murder but guilty of manslaughter. Officers arrived at the address at around 10.45am. They found the defendant outside the property holding her hands out in front of her. They were covered in blood, said the prosecutor. Crane told officers she had had a fallout with my mum. I have attacked her with a knife. Mr Atkins said Crane told officers the knife was in the kitchen. However, it wasn't, and officers found it in the shrubbery in the back garden of the house. Crane had cut on her right thumb. Crane was reported by one officer to say, What have I done? But Crane later said she could not remember saying that. The defendant's 90-year-old grandmother, Edith Cockle, the mother of the stab victim, was in the house at the time described as being confused and shaken. Mr Atkins said, Officers entered the premises and went into the lounge where they found Mrs Mason face down with her head on the cushion of an armchair, her body over the arm of the chair and her knees on the floor. She was unresponsive with no pulse. She did not appear to be breathing and her eyes had rolled back into her head. There was a large amount of blood on the back of her head and on the armchair and floor. Because of her frailty and limited mobility, officers were unable to remove Mrs Cockle from the property. They, re they moved her to the kitchen while she, where she remained present whilst officers and paramedics tried unsuccessfully to treat her daughter, Janet Mason. Visible on Mrs Mason's back was a two to three centimetre stab wound just below her shoulder blade to the right of the spinal column. Efforts were made to save her by officers and paramedics but she was pronounced dead at 11.15am. Mrs Cockle said her daughter Janet had been at the address to clean for her and had seen that Jessica wasn't looking very well. Jessica had gone into the kitchen with her mother, Janet, and then Edith heard a scream. Janet had come into the living room and said, get an ambulance, before collapsing in the chair that she was found in by the police, said Mr Atkins. Stab marks were found on the wall of a bedroom in Crane's grandmother's house where Crane stayed. Wallpaper was also found on the floor. Mr Atkins said four-fifths of the blade went into Mrs Mason's back and a rib was also damaged by the blade. This was not a gentle stab. This required considerable force, he said. He told the jury there had been no defence injuries. She did not see this attack coming. She was stabbed in the back. She was unarmed. She was defenceless. Two days before the stabbing, Crane had asked a neighbour for rope and a petrol can, which he had assumed was for towing a car. Crane's phone, seized by police, also revealed searches including how to end your life, what causes monoxide poisoning at home, strong rope, will God forgive me, and how do people commit suicide in prison. Her notebooks were also seized. One entry read, Dark Thoughts hurt my mother. The trial continues. And the headline for Thursday, February the 3rd, it's the fight of my life. And there's a picture of Wes 
ready to step into the ring as he battles alcoholism. An ex-con who will square up for a bare-knuckle boxing match has admitted his biggest fight is going on outside the ring. Wes Joyce is taking steps to battle alcoholism and says he has now been sober for one week after drinking 15 pints a day since he was released from prison four years ago. He said he has been drinking himself to death, having drunk heavily since 16 and only sobering up when he was in prison. Now, with the support of his wife Stacy and children, as well as Alcoholics Anonymous, he is focusing on preparing for his boxing match at Purdiswell Leisure Centre next month. Mr Joyce from Warnden said, Last week I admitted to myself that I am an alcoholic and it is about time I do something about it before it's too late. I now go to an AA meeting once a week, which is an amazing experience and a chance to meet some amazing people who aren't afraid to admit to the same problem that I have. The boxing match is going to be a night to remember for the lovely people of Worcester because the Wesley Joyce haters will get the opportunity to see me get punched in the face. But on the flip side, the haters give me that extra push every day to wake up and try even harder to keep being the best version of myself possible. Mr Joyce donated a kidney to Sally Ann Granger in 2014 to atone for his past bad behaviour. Bert was back in prison in 2017 for inflicting grievous bodily harm. After turning 40 in August and marrying his wife Stacy in November, he says he appreciates life and wants to live for another 40 years. He realised drinking was having a massive effect on his mood and left him feeling suicidal. I want to be the best version of myself and when I have a drink, that's when I make all my bad decisions. I'm finding being sober amazing. I feel like a totally different person. I feel healthy and I'm making the right decisions. My wife can see a massive dif difference. I'm a better dad. Instead of taking my kids to the pub, I am taking them to the park. The boxing match has given me something to focus on. I have had lots of fights in my life, but I usually ended up getting arrested afterwards. This benefits me so much I'm looking forward to it. He thanked Sean Seary and Robbo Roberts from TGAO for the opportunity to fight in the show and MJA Heating Solutions for sponsoring his kit. TGAO BKB Boxing takes place on Saturday, March the 26th and for more information visit www.facebook.com forward slash diamond-combat-promotions. Now for some uh, just ordinary news from the newspapers. Drivers misusing a GP surgery's car park has forced the practice to bring in parking restrictions. People who leave their cars in the Barbourne Health Centre's car park without visiting the surgery will now be hit with a fine. The surgery has been plagued with drivers taking much-needed spaces from genuine patients who had struggled to find spaces. Genuine patients will avoid fines by entering their car's registration into a keypad inside the surgery on Droitwich Road. 
Barbourne Health Centre released a statement explaining the changes. We would like to advise all our patients that over the next couple of weeks, parking restrictions will be out of place in the car park. This is due to the growing number of vehicle owners leaving their cars here when they are not using any of the on-site services, including the pharmacy. There will be keypads in the main points of the service areas for you to enter your vehicle registration. Failure to do so will result in fines being issued. Notices will be displayed and CCTV cameras will be put up in the car park by the parking company. Any fines issued are not the responsibility of the practice and should you receive one, there will be instructions on who to contact if you wish to dispute this. We have listened to patients' feedback regarding the struggles of parking and feel this is the only way we can manage this successfully for the benefit of the service users. People responding to the statement were pleased to see the restrictions being brought in. However, some people were worried patients would forget to put in the licence plate number and end up being fined. We will be putting plenty of notices up in the surgery and pharmacy and the car park will also have notices. We are also looking into putting a notice on the touch screen when you book in for appointments and the staff on site will also try and remind when we can. The surgery also clarified that customers attending the pharmacy will be able to use the car park. The pharmacy is classed as a service on this site. You will still be able to just go into the pharmacy and there will be a vehicle keypad in the pharmacy waiting area. The next article relates to units in Brickfields Road. A number of industrial units will be demolished to make way for 24 homes after plans were backed by the council. The units off Brickfields Road in Worcester, which are currently home to Precision Engineers Powell and Harbour, would be knocked down and replaced with affordable housing as part of proposals by the Goodfish Group and Fisher German. Worcester City Council's planning committee approved the plan at a meeting in the Guildhall on Thursday. Ward Councillor Joe Hodges welcomed the plan, saying it was good use of the site. It's a tired site, really, although it has provided some um, some employment, she said to the planning committee. I'm sorry to see the loss of employment land, but this is a very good use of this windfall site. It does provide badly needed housing, And I notice that 80% will be social rent or intermediate rent, which is really good. No residents have objected to this. It's a win-win situation. Councillor Pat Agar, who also welcomed the plan, said, We're looking at a site that is a kind of tired industrial site, which could become housing and much-needed housing, and it looks like we will get a very good housing mix for our purposes. Goodfish bought the city-based toolmakers Powell and Harbour in 2015. A potential layout for the development was provided in the application, but the design of the homes would have to be finalised and then approved at a later date by the planning committee. Highways officers at Worcestershire County Council had already said that the initial layout provided would not meet its standards for parking and would have to be addressed before it could be supported. No objections were raised by neighbours during the public consultation. Worcestershire Regulatory Services had recommended that the level of contamination on the site should be investigated if the plan was approved. A statement included with the application said, The company employ 40 people at the site, 
but are also part of a wider business which employs 125 staff over three locations. The growth of the business and exploration of new production methods, coupled with notable site deficiencies in terms of location and highway network, has raised increasing operational issues that make the site unviable for the existing use moving forward. A popular mini-golf venue is set to open in Worcester's High Street. Mr Mulligan's has proved a hit among families, but also offers live music and a bar for older clients. The proposed site for the new venue is at the former DW Sports Store after the company fell into administration in August 2020. A licensing application shows Mr Mulligan's hopes to run in Worcester until 2am every day. The venue has applied for permission for dancing, films, indoor sporting events, live music, recorded music and the sale of alcohol between 10am or 2am. It has also applied for late night refreshments between 11pm and 2am. The application is subject to a 28-day consultation period from Worcestershire Regulatory Services. Jabariaz, Cathedral Ward City Councillor, said, Any new business coming to Worcester under the current circumstances is most certainly welcome. We have seen so many empty shops as a result of tough economic trading, so a venue like this coming to the city would be great to see. Mr Mulligan's seems to be covering a wide range appealing to families in the day and adults in the evening with live music and a bar which we do not really have in our high street. I wish them all the best and hope to see them on the high street soon. Sophie Burke, Group Head of Marketing for parent company Burhill Group Limited said We are very much looking forward to being part of the wonderful community in Worcester. Andrew Scolly, Operations and Development Director for BGL, said, Whilst our venues are first and foremost family-orientated, we have seen great pick-up with adult groups in the evenings and continually improve our food and beverage offerings to provide a great environment for fun on and off the course. Nothing gives me more pleasure than seeing children as young as two pick up a putter for the first time with a smile on their face. Mr Mulligan's is due to open this summer with a date to be confirmed in the future. The consultation on the licensing application runs until February the 24th. Mr Mulligan already has 12 locations across the country, including branches in Cheltenham and Birmingham. The next item is about snow. Slim chance of snowfall. There is an outside chance of some snow later this week as temperatures are set to be much chillier. The Met Office is predicting temperatures will plummet later this week across the country, with Worcestershire set to see lower temperatures. On Friday, temperatures are expected to reach a high of around 7 degrees during the day, dropping to around 1 degree overnight into Saturday morning. Due to the low temperatures, there is a slight chance of snow. The risk currently predicted to be 16% by Net Weather TV. Mild temperatures with highs of 12 degrees and overnight lows at around 4 are expected for today. An eagle-eyed young boy spotted a would-be thief making off with tools from a work van. Colby Roberts, age 6, raised the alarm after spotting the prowler peeking into the back of his mum's partner's van. Thanks to his quick actions, the would-be thief only managed to get into a rubbish compartment of Mr Shaw's Star Property Services work van parked on Bromwich Road, St John's. 
A neighbour's CCTV video shows a car driving along and quickly pulling at the back of the van while the passenger gets out and opens the back door. The would-be thief then scurries back to the car and makes a quick getaway once he is spotted at about 7.15pm on Saturday, January the 29th. Mr Shaw said, We were in the lounge with the curtains open and the van directly outside. My partner's little boy said, Someone was at the back of the van and we jumped up, looked through the window and as soon as he saw us, he got back in the passenger side of his car and sped off. The back of the van is divided into two and it is the rubbish compartment at the back. If he'd gone into the side of the van, he could have taken all my tools. It could have been a different story. I want to warn other people because if someone else loses all their tools, that could destroy their business. If they had taken the tools of someone hard hit by the pandemic and haven't got the expenditure to replace them, it could have crippled them. The 26-year-old believes the people are going out looking for work vans to target and he urged other people to make sure they have their vans locked and invest in security features. Mr Shaw has bought deadlocks for his van as well as a ring doorbell and other safety features. It was early evening and considering it's not a quiet road, it's quite shocking. You could see they were prepared, they were gloved and wearing a hat. I wouldn't want to confront them because they were capable of anything that could destroy someone's business. Mr Shaw has reported the incident to police and anyone with information should call 101 or send a report via the West Mercia Police website. History buffs, who have missed being able to see King John in Worcester Cathedral, have been handed a well-timed boost in way of an unusual gift from the British Library. The infamous Bad King John's Tomb has been closed off to the public since Storm Arwen caused damage to the cathedral in November. Part of a pinnacle from the side of the tower fell through the roof of the North Choir Isle in late November as high winds caused havoc for Worcester's historic landmark. A spokesperson for the cathedral confirmed plans for the repairs are a work in progress and an announcement outlining the programme and approximate timings will be made very soon. In the meantime, the cathedral has been given a scale replica which was produced by the British Library in 2015 for an exhibition marking the 800th anniversary of the sealing of the Magna Carta. The replica is on display in the cathedral alongside an interactive touchscreen. While plenty of people seem to be enjoying the King's return, he won't be a permanent fixture. The cathedral team has confirmed once repairs are completed, the replica will be used for occasional events and school trips. King John, who features as the villain in every Robin Hood tale, is most famous for sealing the Magna Carta, which some historians regard as the first step towards England's constitutional monarchy. Following the death of his older and much more popular brother, Richard the Lionheart, John became king in 1199. He was an unpopular monarch, and at the time of his death, he had lost the majority of his lands in France, and the English barons were in open rebellion against him. King John seems to have been fond of Worcester and spent Christmas here in 1214, and he stipulated in his will he wanted to be buried in Worcester Cathedral, between the shrines of St Wolfstone and St Oswald. The original will, the oldest remaining royal will in England, is still kept in the cathedral, in the library, and can be seen by appointment.
A Worcester toy shop has been given a prestigious national award. Toys and Games of Worcester was named Independent Toy Retailer of the Year in the single store category as part of the Toy Industry Awards 2021. Tim Evans, owner of the shop, said, We're chuffed to bits. You don't go into business to win awards. I went into business because it was something I'd dreamed of and always wanted to do. You certainly don't think of getting awards, but when you get one, it's a real compliment. It's for the whole of the team, not just me. It's my wife and my kids and the team who've all helped with the business over the last couple of years. It's a massive accolade. Mr Evans believes businesses have been forced to adapt in order to survive the lockdowns in the UK over the last couple of years and he owes much of the shop's success to how they managed the pandemic. He added, We've had to think outside the box and reinvent ourselves just to survive and I think that's what has made us better. It's not just Covid, there have been store closures in town, we had floods just before Covid as well, then there were multiple lockdowns and restrictions. Then we had the emergency road closure of Broad Street before Christmas because of the dangerous building. We've had so many curveballs thrown at us that we've just had to think on our feet and adapt to every changing circumstance and I think that the recognition is for that really. When the government announced that we had to close, I only live a mile away from the shop, so I said to my wife, I'm going to go into work tomorrow because I just need a reason to get up and I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just clean and come back in an hour. I went in and I just put on social media, if you need anything, if you want anything, we'll deliver, because we've got a company van. We were delivering to people's houses all through Worcester, and it got so busy, my wife was back to work in three or four days as well. We always keep things positive, and I hope we help people in more ways than just delivering Lego and jigsaws with our positive posts on Facebook. Mr Evans said he doesn't know who nominated the shop. Volunteers who rushed to be the first on the scene to help injured people have been given a boost by a generous Worcester firm. Start in Honda Worcester has donated a cart so the team can get to emergencies quicker. Ian Simmons, a first responder, said, We received this fantastic new vehicle from the team at Start in Honda meaning we are now able to get back to responding in good time. Our previous vehicle was continuously breaking down on us, and so we thoroughly appreciate this car. The first responders currently have six volunteers in the Worcester area. They get alerted of emergency 999 incidents via radios from the West Midlands Ambulance Service and receive updates via a screen in the front of the car. Ian said... We are working seven days a week and can be sent within a five-mile radius of where we are based. Our team are all from the Worcester area, but there are schemes like this all across the West Midlands. The training and basic equipment are provided by the ambulance service, but we try to fundraise for the majority of our equipment as the funding just isn't there. We're always looking for more volunteers to get trained up and join the team. A spokesman for Starting Honda, based in St John's, said We're always proud to support those in the local area and we pride ourselves in supporting and investing in those who dedicate their time and effort whilst helping others. As the community first responders play such an integral role when attending life-threatening calls, it's important they have a reliable, 
practical vehicle, such as the Honda CRV, to store all of their first aid equipment and get to emergencies swiftly. Furthermore, during the height of the pandemic, we provided key workers with a vehicle if required, which gave them the opportunity to carry out their vital work in keeping the residents of Worcestershire safe during unprecedented times. Diamond Hand Car Wash has also volunteered to wash the new vehicle for free whenever needed. Worcester Community First Responders work alongside the West Midlands Ambulance Service to provide emergency treatment before ambulance crews arrive. A plan to ask visitors to a city cemetery to use pub toilets has been called insensitive and embarrassing. St John's Cemetery in Worcester has not had public toilets for more than a decade due to constant vandalism and antisocial behaviour. St John's councillor Richard Udall said that while there had been few complaints to the council about the cemetery needing toilets, there was still significant demand for them to reopen. He said not providing toilets was discriminatory and asking people to use pubs was embarrassing. The elderly, especially women, don't want to go into a pub and shouldn't have to just go to the toilet, he said. The Council's Environment Committee had a meeting in the Guildhall on Tuesday. You can't tell an undertaker to hang on a minute, don't bury Grandad because my wife needs to go to the local pub first. That is completely unfair and insensitive. I know there are costs involved, but this is a disability discrimination issue. Building new toilets could cost the council as much as £64,000 and £14,000 a year to clean and keep secure, according to a report by council officers. Officers have recommended to the City Council's Environment Committee that it scraps any plans to reopen toilets at St John's Cemetery and instead work with local pubs and businesses, including St John's Sports Centre, to open their toilets to visitors. The Council added that staff have only been asked about toilets at the 9,000 plot cemetery twice in the last two years and no formal complaints have been made. Council officers looked at three options including renting a portable toilet at a cost of around £16,000 a year and £14,000 each year thereafter. Other options included refurbishing the existing toilets at a cost of nearly 44000 in the first year and 14000 thereafter. Councillor Jenny Barnes said the soon-to-open park and existing allotments in St John's, as well as the cemetery, meant the area needed public toilets. I would love to know where the toilet facilities locally are. Groups who visit the cemetery, particularly the elderly, would need toilets more and the council should at least be providing disabled facilities. Business owners on Copenhagen Street are relishing the return to the Mediterranean feel following a trial road closure. The road will be closed for three months to all traffic to allow street trading for the Triple B Belgian Beer Café, the Oil Basin Brew House and Keystones. And the traders say they believe the trial road closure will be positive for ongoing trade. The application for the road closure was submitted by the Triple B Belgian Beer Café. Co-owner and manager of the Beer Café, Craig Finn, said, I have been working with the BID to bring this about for some time. I've been collaborating with all of the other businesses on Copenhagen Street, especially the Oil Basin and Keystones, and have consulted with residents, all of whom were and remain very supportive. 
We hope to see the trial run successfully for three months and will then seek an extension to further prove the viability of the road closure. This will help enable safer outdoor drinking without the risk brought about by traffic. Triple B, along with Oil Basin and Keystones, added additional, out- added additional outdoor seating last year in response to the pandemic and this resulted in a fantastic vibe and a continental feel to Copenhagen Street. The comments that we received about the atmosphere from the residents of Worcester and visitors to the city alike were overwhelmingly positive, hence our desire to see the street permanently pedestrianised. The closure, agreed last week, will see the road remain open for pedestrians and cyclists at all times and may be reopened for emergency access if required. The Oil Basin Brewhouse owner and manager Rob Wintrip said, I think that more suitable bollards instead of the current road closure signs would be better, but for now it's OK. Big lorries coming through the high street is never ideal and it would be nice to have that Mediterranean or European style feel with more seating outside, like when restrictions first eased back again. A new supermarket will open in the city after plans were given the green light by the council. Budget frozen food chain Farm Foods had its proposals to open a new store in an empty unit in Shrub Hill Retail Park off George Street in Worcester, backed by the council. Opening the supermarket would bring around 20 new jobs to the city, according to the application. Worcester City Council's planning committee approved the plan at a meeting in the Guild Hall. The unit in the city centre retail park has been empty since stationery supplier's office outlet closed in early 2019 after the company went into administration. Councillor Alan Amos said it was a sensible plan and Councillor Joe Hodges said the empty building needed attention. This building has been empty for so long and it desperately needs something to go in there, she said. Councillor Owen Cleary said the building had been empty for a long time and he did not want to wait five more years for somebody different to use it. Land like this shouldn't be left unused. A report from council planning officers said Shrub Hill Retail Park and the surrounding area has been earmarked in the council's master plan as potential land for housing in the future, but recommended the application should still be backed. Councillor Jenny Barnes said she was concerned that allowing a new supermarket to open in the retail park would block future attempts to turn the area into housing as the City Council aspires to do its master plan. I'm worried that this means that the area in the master plan will be put on hold for a number of years. This is a prime site along the canal which is crying out to be loved and be put to really good use and we're just going to put a freezer shop in there and I just worry we're doing ourselves down and then it will be difficult to reinstate the master plan for the area to make it a beautiful area with public realm as it was intended. Building work at the city's newest little supermarket has reached an important stage. Customers will not have to wait too much longer until they can get their hands on bargains at the discount supermarket. Ashfield Land said all is going well on site with the build of New Little on on Droitwich Road. Work is on programme to hand the building over to Little in the spring, when the store will be fitted, stocked and the staff trained before opening. 
Lidl will then do the fit-out so it is ready to welcome customers by the summer. Paul Jagroup, director of Ashfield Land, said, With the building frame now in place, the roof on, and the construction team making good progress, everyone can see the potential for this important regeneration of the JVM Castings site coming to life. As we complete the structure, we shortly move on to putting the floor, services and cladding for the building in place. It's an exciting transformation and we're looking forward to handing the building over to Lidl in the spring so the store can open later in the summer. The building frame is now in place with the roof fully installed and the photovoltaic, also known as solar electricity, panels features in place. The floor... Building, cladding and the services into the building, such as electric, will be installed over the next four to six weeks. The work will see the new little supermarket built on part of the JVM casting site off Droitwich Road. Contractor, Benjamin Construction, has moved JVM's car park and rebuilt it to make way for the new supermarket. Work is about to begin on resurfacing a canal path in Worcestershire to help improve walking and cycling routes in the county. Worcestershire County Council will be resurfacing the section of path on the Worcester to Birmingham Canal between Friesland Close and Blackpool, Ro- Blackpool Road. Beginning on the 7th of February, the resurfacing work will feature a new surface in addition to new signage and access to the towpath. Work will also be carried out to remove excess vegetation blocking the path. It is expected the work will take up to seven weeks and be carried out by Worcester City Council and the Canal and River Trust. Councillor Alan Amos, Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways, said Improving walking and cycling routes in Worcestershire is one of the Council's top priority. We're keen to make improvements to all areas of the network and we know that our canal towpaths are extremely important to helping people get around the county. The Emergency Active Travel Fund consultation highlighted the need to make improvements to this section of Canal Towpath and we've acted on that feedback. Other walking and cycling improvements are programmed in for 2022, which include the resurfacing of the Canal Towpath in Kidderminster, footpath resurfacing and widening taking place at Arrow Valley Park in Redditch, and a new footpath between Diglis Bridge and Duckbrook in Worcester as part of the Emergency Active Travel Fund. Funeral prayers have been held for two men who were killed after a car crashed into a lamppost before bursting into flames. Mohammed Lukman Ashraf, aged 28, and Mohammed Yazin, 24, both from Worcester, died after the crash on January the 11th. Family and friends joined in the Janaza, the Islamic funeral prayer, that was held at Worcester Central Mosque, Jamia Guzia Central Mosque in Tallow Hill on Friday. West Midlands police were called to the crash on Hagley Road West in Bearwood near Birmingham shortly before 10 o'clock in the evening. A GoFundMe page set up in honour of Mr Ashraf and Mr Yazin has raised more than, more than £10,000. Worcester City Councillor Jabarias was among those who paid tribute at the time of their deaths, saying, It's a tragic loss of two young lives. My thoughts go out to their friends and family. Everybody knows them. They were kind and caring men. They would go out of their way to help the community. And they have been taken back to their Lord. 
Luckman, a former pupil of Bishop Perone High School, worked at Hillside Pizza in Malvern for several years before his death. A colleague at the takeaway said, Luckman had worked for Hillside for many years and was known and loved by many of the customers in the Malvern district. He was hard-working, professional and always brought light to everyone around him. Our thoughts are with his family, his many friends, and he will be greatly missed by all who knew him. Sleep well, my brother. It was an honour to work with you. An international cricket centre will be built in the city after plans were given the green light. The multi-million pound inclusive international cricket centre will be built at the University of Worcester 7 campus off the city's Hilton Road as part of a major expansion of the site. Worcester City Council's planning committee approved the plans at a meeting in the Guildhall yesterday. The proposed building, which will provide a national home for all forms of disability cricket, will include indoor net practice facilities, changing rooms and teaching areas. Councillor Joe Hodges said the facility would be exciting and a high-quality watermark for Worcester. I think the university has brought so many benefits to the city and this will be yet another. Councillor Jenny Barnes said the new cricket centre would be so much better than what was there before. The city's university has been working for several years with England Disability Cricket, the Worcestershire Cricket Board and County Cricket Club and the England and Wales Cricket Board to create the world's first inclusive cricket education centre. The work, which will be carried out as part of plans to create a health and well-being and inclusive sports centre to accompany the university arena, will create new walking and cycling routes and green spaces throughout the campus, as well as cycle storage for almost 300 bikes and 300 car parking spaces, including 100 electric car charging points. Worcestershire County Cricket Board estimates that an additional... 8,000 people will benefit from the centre every year, including young children, disabled athletes, women's squads and students. Some concerns were raised by residents about cars parking in Hennick Road, Rectory Gardens and Hardwick Close if the university hosted basketball and cricket events at the same time. Objectors to the plan were also worried about the increase in traffic and parking around the Henwick Road railway crossing, St Clement's Primary School and former YMCA building, which is being turned into student accommodation, with one objector calling it an accident waiting to happen. The plan was backed by nine votes to nil, with two abstentions. And now we have some uh, items of sport. Former Worcester Warriors scrum half Johnny R has officially joined local amateur rugby club Worcester RFC as head coach. Worcester RFC, the amateur neighbours of Warriors, revealed that R would be taking the role from the beginning of next month. The popular scrum half made 217 appearances over 12 seasons for Worcester after coming through the club's mini and junior sections. In August last year, current players... Niall Annette and Billy Searle committed their services to Worcester RFC by agreeing to coaching midweek training sessions. The club, just over the road from Six Ways, has had a tricky time of late, with numbers thinning, but the club are hopeful new boss R can bring a new focus to the senior setup. I'm really excited and honoured to take this head coach role at Worcester Rugby Club, said R himself. 
On a personal level, I'm delighted to be back involved with a club that I have such a long history with. From a coaching perspective, it's going to be a new challenge, but one I'm really looking forward to. The club already have the foundations in place to be successful going forward. They have a great clubhouse, seven pitches, over 400 minis and juniors and 250 senior men and women turning out to play. From a men's senior perspective, we're going through a rebuilding phase, so that will be an immediate priority. I think the challenge for me is to create an environment where players are enjoying their rugby and improving as players. And if we can do that, we can start to see some competitive performance going forward. Chairman Steve Lloyd agreed that the club's men's first team were struggling at the moment. They have conceded over 200 points in the last two defeats in the Midlands in the West 1 League and currently sit rock bottom. The senior squad is going through a lean patch at the moment, added Lloyd. But I'm confident that Johnny will bring a new focus to senior rugby and I very much look forward to working with him. As well as the seniors, Johnny will also be looking at our senior coaching structure and also working with coaches and team managers across the club to help us develop a club ethos and style of playing. Worcester Wolves remain unbeaten at the top of the Midlands division of the National Basketball League after seeing off Coventry Flames at the University of Worcester Arena on Sunday. After a slow start, Wolves edged 31-24 away from their visitors by half-time and kept up the pressure to ease to a comfortable 78-57 win. Matty Boltineau featured heavily as the game began, bullying his way to a series of baskets. Coventry nudged 12-11 in front before the Romanian forward connected again to reverse the lead when the first quarter ended. David Lozana grabbed a couple of scores and Lucas McGregor did likewise as Worcester established control. Flames' cause was not helped by their impressive centre, Luke Gregory, having to take an early seat on the bench after picking up his third foul before the close of the first half. A three-point party took place after the interval. Wilfred Santhi lit the fuse and Luzanza exploded with a trio of bombs in barely a minute of play for 52-38 lead. The host's advantage expanded on a Drew Clark triple and the contest was fully decided once Ian Rivero Rodrigo concluded a stunning 13-point final quarter rampage. Boltino led a spread of Wolves scorers with 20 points, followed by 17 from Vivero Rodriguez, 15 for Luanza and a 13-point contribution from McGregor. We had one or two players missing today and that caused us to take a little time to get into the flow of the game, said Worcester coach Dean Blake. But we're fortunate we've got quality across our squad that meant we still got the job done. It was a good opportunity to change up our rotations and it was pleasing to see players respond well to that. Back on track. City's promotion charge on course again after nervy win at Utoxeter ends rough recent run. Rice Taylor Randall's early penalty was enough for all three points as Worcester City ended their poor run of results with a narrow 1-0 win at Utoxeter Town. 
Taylor Randall kept his nerve from the spot in the 15th minute after Sam Witten was brought down by Craig Swinfield as City moved back into the Midland Football League Premier Division playoff places. Having lost three of their last four, all to teams around them in the hunt for promotion, it was imperative Worcester return to winning ways, and although it wasn't pretty, they got the result they needed. Fortune Mafosa and Billy Shaw both picked up injuries in the 2-0 defeat at Shifnal Town last weekend, so were not available to manager Tim Harris, who also kept the likes of James Douglas, Bailey Fuller and Jamie Smith on the bench. It was a slow start to the game from both sides, but the game's major incident came with quarter of an, with quarter of an hour gone as Sam Witten broke into the box before being hacked down by Craig Swinfield. The referee did not hesitate in awarding the spot kick and Taylor Randall slotted it home. In truth, there were very few chances other than that in the first half as both sides struggled to create. Into the second half and George Baker had a golden chance to double City's lead but he could only blaze over the bar from close range after Archie Moorhead had done well to fashion a cross to him at the back post. It was a real battle in midfield and Curtis Smith was impressive for the visitors in that area, protecting his back four and competing for every ball. It turned into an arm wrestle and despite a late scare which saw keeper Adam Harrison called to the rescue, Worcester held on for a much-needed three points, which moved them into fifth place in the league standings. They are on the road again this weekend when they make the trip to 11th-placed Stone Old Alenians, where they will be looking to kick-start another winning run, a 3pm kick-off. And that is the end of uh, this week's news. Uh, so just goodbye from Penny and myself. Goodbye. Goodbye. And now we will read this week's obituaries. Taylor Derek Gordon passed away peacefully on Saturday 8th of January. A private invitation only service will be held on Friday the 11th of February at St Wollstone's Church, Worcester at 12.30pm followed by a memorial service at Worcester Crematorium at 1.45pm. All are welcome to attend. No flowers, but donations, if desired, to the British Lung Foundation, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors Limited, Malvern. Hughes, Albert John, known as John, passed away suddenly on January the 11th. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 15th of February at 10.45am, followed by interment at the cemetery. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Acorns Children's Hospice may be placed in the collection box available at the service. Inquiries to the Co-op Funeral Care. Johnson, Philip. The sudden passing of Phil. A celebration of Phil's life will take place on Friday the 11th of February at the Vale Crematorium at 1pm and to follow on to the Barclay Arms, Worcester. Please wear navy and white or WBA clothing shirt, no black. 
Family Flowers Only, all other contributions to bernardos.org.uk. All collection will be available at the service on the day. Briggs, Ivy, passed away on the 13th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 18th at 1pm. Family Flowers Only, please. Donations for St Richard's Hospice. A collection box will be available at the service. Inquiries to Co-op Funeral Care. Kettle, John of Worcester, passed away peacefully on 15th of January. Funeral service at St George's Roman Catholic Church on Friday the 4th of February at 11.30am, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, Worcester. Scream, Dorothy, passed away peacefully on the 19th of January. A funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 10th of February at one o'clock. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, Worcester. Garnus, Eric, passed away on the 24th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 15th of February at 10 o'clock. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for Midlands Air Ambulance Charity may be left at the service or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Tombs, Ray. Passed away on the 24th of January. Funeral service at Bromwich Road Mission on Saturday the 12th of February at 11am. Interment to follow at St John's Cemetery later in the week. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for Bromwich Road Mission Free Church may be left at the service or sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Dutson, Bronwyn Elizabeth, nay Richards, passed away on January the 25th. Her funeral will be on the 10th of February in Dorset, although her ashes will be interred at Broadheath Church later. In lieu of flowers, donations, if desired, to Pancreatic Cancer UK via Nicholas O'Hara Funeral Directors 01202 882134 And Lewis Clive passed away peacefully on the 27th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 10th of February at 3.15. Family flowers only please but donations if desired for guide dogs may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. And that um, our thoughts and prayers go to all those families and their friends at this very difficult time.